0: And welcome back to another exciting episode of Two Teacherpreneurs Tell All, Two Wacky Teacherpreneurs Tell All. I'm sitting here with my pal Amanda and we are going to talk all things teachers pay teachers sales. There was recently a hotly debated back to school sale that a lot of people didn't do very good on and they're kind of upset about it. So we thought we would talk about Teachers Pay Teacher Sales, our experiences with them, what happened this year. Amanda has some really interesting things that happened with hers. So hopefully you learn something new, something to take away and think about for next time.
1: Welcome to the Wacky Teacherpreneurs Podcast. Your hosts, Jess and Amanda, have been friends and teacherpreneurs for years. Along with their successes, they've had lots of failures, foibles, and fumbles. And now they're here to share it all with you. Stay tuned for some funny times and awesome business insights. Let's go behind the scenes of their teacher businesses now. Raw, unfiltered, real. Let's get started. and welcome back to
0: two teacherpreneurs who are very wacky tell all I might have rearranged the words a little bit but you get the point we are two wacky teacher entrepreneurs and we are excited to come at you today with um, a little interesting topic which is the most recent teachers pay Teacher sale now I am friends with a lot of Teachers Pay Teachers sellers. So I, I do and we do talk about, oh, well, what's going on with your store and what's going on with this store, especially during Teachers Pay Teachers sales day. Whenever you have a sale, like a site-wide sale, whether you're selling on Teachers Pay Teachers or Etsy or Amazon, wherever you're selling, when there's a big sale day you talk about, it. I can only imagine if you're selling on Amazon that you talk about black friday or cyber monday and how did it go for you what are you doing and so that's what we do as teachers pay teacher sellers as we all chat with each other so this year my friends instantly started chatting that they noticed that this year's back to school sale was not as good as last year's most of them had only made half of the money that they did last year a third of the money they did last year and then this sort of this these little group conversations conversations spread to the facebook groups and there's one major facebook group that you get most of your information the the inside information it's called wallflowers tpt and we call it wallies for short. So if I ever say, oh, I heard about this in Wallies," I'm talking about wallflowers. And if you just type in TPT wallflowers, you should be able to get into the group. The only requirement is that you are a teacher's pay teacher seller. And of course, you can't spam the group with any of your products. Nobody cares. It's all about big things happening to teachers pay teachers sellers and most of the sellers in the group are very well established and a lot of them are full-time teachers pay teachers sellers they're not part-timers they don't have little tiny stores if you go in there and it's your first week on tpt and you're wondering why your very first product isn't selling it's probably a bad place to ask this is for more seasoned sellers so i'm just putting it out there to people that might be listening thinking oh i opened a tpt store two months ago well Build up your store a little bit because it's not a place for noobs to answer questions. It's like legit business owners that do this full time. Their families rely on their income and they're upset over things usually or things are happening in the teachers pay teachers community. So there were some posts after the sale that sort of mirrored what some of my teachers pay teachers pals were talking about. And I, I do not full disclosure. I'm a part-time seller. I do not rely on teachers pay teachers for much of my income. Does it really help out with my bills? Yes. Have, I mean, I've reached milestones on teachers pay teachers. Yes. But I've been doing this for eight or nine years and I would consider it to be like a part-time job income for me personally. I'm not, matching my teacher's salary it's never really been my goal I worked on my store for a couple summers and there it is so I noticed this year for me personally that I I did I did um my sales did go down just a little bit but it's not a noticeable difference to make me freak out or wonder what I did wrong now a lot of my buddies are secondary sellers And apparently I heard through the grapevine that they crunched some numbers that secondary sellers got hit really hard. Now, Amanda, my co-host is a secondary seller. So Amanda, do you want to talk about your sales? Like you told me something very surprising before the show and maybe what caused that?
2: Yeah. So just like you, TPT is always the last thing on my mind, which sometimes I just wonder, like, you know, if it was the first thing on my mind, if I would be replacing my income at this point with TPT dollars, right? Like, sometimes I get a little self flagellating, I guess, about like having it be my last priority when it is so awesome that you create something and and then it makes you money for years and years and years to come. Like that's the, such a, the amazing thing about teachers pay teachers. I just love it. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew about the sale a few days before the sale, which is kind of annoying. I always wish I knew more further in advance, but they always kind of change the date or usually it's similar dates, but anyways, so I looked and I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to send a sales email a couple, maybe even four or five sales emails to my list promoting this so that I can make more money than last year, but I was in the middle of a webinar series, so I did a series, a three day boot camp, like a planning boot camp, and it was just webinar like three webinars one hour each day to promote my um my program, which lives on Kajabi, so this has nothing to do with teachers pay teachers. And the last day to sign up to get my year-long curriculum, my courses, my help, all of that was August 2nd. So it was the day, the last day of the back to school sale for Teachers Pay Teachers. And so I was just so busy. And of course, Teachers Pay Teachers takes a back seat and I didn't end up sending any sales emails, which... I mean, it's fine. Like I don't usually, but I just, I do want to try to do that more because I think it does help you increase your sales when you have an email list and you can promote the sale and like specific products, like seasonal products that will help teachers uh, like with back to school, you know, and I know a lot, like a lot of your friends and my friends, I'm on their email lists, you know, and I get a lot of emails from secondary sellers promoting the TPT sale. And sometimes I'm like, thank you for promoting this for me. I mean, they're promoting their own products, but I'm like, yes, people are going to know this sale is happening. And maybe they wishlist some of my stuff. Cause like the same people who buy from my friends also have bought from me. Like I have seen that like, and I see it in Facebook. Like I'll see the same people in like my Facebook group versus my competitors Facebook group, right? Like the same people are commenting, whatever. But anyways, I did better than last year. Um, I don't, and I think I have, I think I know why. Um, So the first reason, and I was explaining to this to Jess earlier is that I notice my sales on teachers pay teachers go up when I'm doing a webinar because what I'm selling through my webinar is more pricey Um, and more of like, get everything for this price. And a lot of teachers, they come to my webinar, they like what I have to say. And I tell them, you know, like, this is, you know, I'm a teacher author, I make curriculum to make reading and writing more engaging and exciting for teachers and students. And then they go look me up on Teachers Pay Teachers, and they find me And then they buy like one or two things, three, one, two, three, you know, they end up spending, you know, 50, 60 bucks. Whereas my stuff is, you know, over a hundred that I'm promoting through my webinar. And so I think that because I do webinars, yeah, I get more sales, but I didn't even talk about TPT in my webinar. So like, I mean, these teachers are smart, right? They're like, oh, I like her. Let me go look her up on this platform that I really like buying stuff from, you know, and even on my website, like I'll have people, my sales on my website will go up. So it's kind of like, you know, teachers who don't want my full thing. They just want like one or two things. And so there's like this added benefit to doing webinars where all your sales go up, you know? And so I think that's why my sales went up or were better this year during back to school than last year. Cause I don't, I wasn't doing a webinar during this time last year.
0: Yeah. Now to people listening at home and they're like, I don't even know what a webinar is. I don't know how to do one. How, what would you recommend to them? Like, are, is, how would they learn how to do a webinar?
2: Well, I think we had a, a episode recently about the whole process. Like I talked about, it was the one about, um, <clears throat> make money while on vacation. (laughs) I mean, I talked about that whole process in there. It's, it's hard. I mean, and if you're just one person putting this all together, it's a lot of work up front, but once you have it all done, you can just rinse and repeat it, you know? So, but it is a lot of work like getting on live. You don't have to show your face. You could just show your slides. I mean, I think it is good to show your face because it's like developing trust, you know, with your customers. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to say it's easy, uh, but I've done, I've done hundreds of webinars. I mean, I even count like when we did Periscope, you know, and like even Instagram stories are going on, live on Instagram. You could even count those as webinars, you know, yeah. like you really could, like if you really wanted to do it simple. Like you could host, it's like an event, you know, like an online event and you just host it, promote it, you know, like for a couple of weeks before the event, do the event, you know, provide lots of value, sell, you need to sell during it, which I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with, but you have to feel really confident in like, this is going to help you. I mean, that's how you make money when you really feel strongly that this is like really valuable for teachers, um, your product and it can really help them. And so like, if you're fully convinced of that, people are going to feel that when they come to your webinar, you know? Um, yeah. And then it's really important to track all the data, like your conversion rates and things. And, uh, like I have a big spreadsheet that I keep track of everything on. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, but you promote your webinar in three ways. You do Facebook ads, you have pop-ups on your website, and then you also email your list. Yes. Okay. Just giving people an idea out there because you might be listening to this like, yeah, my teachers pay teachers sale kind of suck too. (laughs) I didn't really do such a good job. I mean, maybe you're thinking like, well, I tried everything I normally do and sales are just down, or maybe you're kind of freaking out. Like, I don't want to waste my time on these sales or I got used to making a certain amount of money and I want to make it again. I mean, here's an idea for you. Here's an idea. Start doing online events. And I always think of the webinars as like online parties, like teach people one thing that will help them or three hot tips That will help them with the school year, show them how your products will aid in that as well. And there you go. I mean, it's just, you're just, it's almost like making a YouTube video. You're putting it out there for free, but it's like at a certain time in a certain place. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you put a link to like your products that you're trying to sell, But like, I wouldn't recommend doing a webinar if you're selling, like, it's usually for like higher ticket stuff, you know, like, I wouldn't do a webinar for like a $25 product, like I would do a webinar for like your bundles, you know, like to promote your bundle. Um, Because that's a lot of work to just like sell something for like 10 or 15 or $25, you know? Yeah, I would do like Facebook ads to sell those little things. So
0: maybe it would be better, you're saying like a webinar would be good if you had like over a hundred dollar product to sell, Yeah, right? Like you you can make over a hundred dollars, like you get a couple dozen people in your webinar and three or four people buy it. It just made it worth your time.
2: That's a really good conversion rate. Like, yeah. Cause you gotta, like, you gotta, basically you gotta divide the number of people who attend uh, I think it, yeah, by the number of people who buy and then you can get your conversion rate. And webinars, I think the average conversion rate on a webinar is like 3% or something. That's, you know,
0: like average. Well, isn't the average conversion rate for anything online 3%? That's yeah, I feel like, doing. yeah,
2: yeah. But like with teachers though, it's always higher. Like, I, I mean, with my webinars, I've had a 15% conversion rate before. So like, that's why I keep doing webinars. Cause it's like, wow, this really works. Um, and my problem, and maybe we can do another episode about this is reach, you know, like, um, you know, I'm not one of those people that has like a huge, you know, I don't have 40 K followers on Instagram, you know, like, and even if you have that many followers, it doesn't necessarily mean all of those people are going to sign up for your thing. Right. Like, but like, I just, wouldn't it be awesome to get 40,000 people to sign up for my webinar and then, you know, however many average attendees and then like how, like how much money would I make if that many people? Here's a,
0: here's a burning question I've had though for you is like, if you're willing to spend extra money On advertising, couldn't you get those people as I this was actually a tip at one of the teachers pay teachers conferences I went to is this guy, his name is uh, Kessler Science, that's his store. And he's always doing the TPT conferences, he was basically like, you can make unlimited amount of money, but you need to have an investment to make. Like he's basically saying, like, listen, invest $1,000 in ads, you're going to make more than $1,000 back. And then take that money and invest it in ads. You're going to make more than that amount of money. So basically, you can make an unlimited amount of money if you kept investing all of your profits into the ads. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that is the answer. <laughs> so it you're is.
0: Right. I heard uh, this like seven, eight years ago. I've never done it. Just like another piece of advice I've never used. Yeah.
2: Well, and I have, I mean, Facebook ads, are very intimidating, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like, like a science, you know, and like, you really do need support. Um, if you're brand new to Facebook ads, yeah. And spending that much money on Facebook ads, it's scary, you know, cause what if you don't make it all back and like being able to track all the data and like the pixel stuff, it's just very intimidating. Um, and so, I mean, have I done Facebook ads? Yeah, but I've definitely only, you know, done it ch- cheaply. Yeah, like, like for example, like I usually only spend um, like $25 a day, you know, but they say like that's the maximum that I want to spend a day. And what that basically means is you're telling Facebook how many people you want, you're willing to pay for to show your ad. So if I up that to like a hundred a day, you know, my ad's going to be shown to a lot more people.
0: Here's my question is what is the hesitation in you doing that?
2: It's scary, you know, like it's, it's well, and like, I think, you know, like keeping track of all your business expenses, that is not, the best I'm not the best at that um and just like money yeah like money mindset you know like I feel like I have kind of a deficit like a money deficit mindset a lot of the times and maybe that's holding me back remember chill and prosper that book yeah um that author yeah she kind of red flag red flag like and also when I did coaching for a while yeah that this I like you're how the way that you think about money like is it plentiful is it always available or is it something that you have to kind of hoard and like constantly like be freaking out about and that's i kind of fall into that realm a lot like oh my gosh i'm broke what do i do i'm so broke i got to stop spending money and like you know like i'm in the red and freaking out and stressing out about that so yeah i don't know there's so many elements to being an entrepreneur and like, like self-development, you know, and like you're developing more of a like prosperous, plentiful kind of money mindset.
0: Have you ever heard of this? So I, I've downloaded this weird app and it's basically summarizes really important books for you in like 15 minutes or less. It's so great. And now I can't find the name of it because I got mad and deleted it yesterday, but (laughs) One of the books, I, I read this book really quickly, and it was all, all about um, how if you just improve something that you're doing by 1% each time you do it by the end of the year, you will have seen 37 times growth in that area. So, like, if you just, like, so what I was wondering with the Facebook ads is you've been doing $25 ads, right? What if next time you upped it to 35 I mean, just to see, I know that's more than 1%, but like, just to see, like, is it that little bit extra that would like push you to like the next level? And then like, you took, you took the money you made from that and you push yourself up to maybe $40 ads per day, just to kind of like, could you baby step it to the point where like what they're saying with the 1% growth, when you're trying a new goal is like, if you just go really baby step or even a dollar each time, like you just add another dollar on eventually after a year or two, it's going to be like, you're, it doesn't, you don't even blink thinking about doing something really big and scary anymore. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And like this year, um, you know, I'm going back to teaching after being out for a year and trying, (laughs) trying to do my business full time while also homeschooling my daughter, which I do not recommend. Don't do that. Just don't have someone else, you know, (laughs) have someone else take care of your kid. Um, but yeah, like I am definitely wanting to, really do you know like four or five webinars for throughout the year like during teacher breaks um that are related to like what's going on during that time and also put more evergreen webinars into the world and yes Facebook ads I mean that is a key component of all of this um and using the income that I receive to like reinvest. Um, Yeah, that's super smart. But like back to like, when Teachers Pay Teachers has a sale, um, because there is going to be like another back to school sale, right? Like, do you know when that is?
0: Um, I don't think we're really allowed to talk about that yet. But there's usually a boost day. And I don't know when the boost is going to be. But some years they I mean, there's a new company running Teachers Pay Teachers. IXL has bought the company. And in years past, it used to just be a back to school sale. Two days in August, that was it. And then people started complaining, well, it's too early. A lot of people don't go back to after Labor Day. So then they do a boost sale and boost sales are only for one day. And it's supposed to be, you know, sometime in August, but we don't know. They haven't released it yet. And even if we did know, You're not supposed to tell like the general population until a certain day and time. But honestly, they haven't released the boost sale yet. If there's going to be one, we have no idea. Everyone's so upset that they didn't make money those first two days that they're not too excited about future sales. Right. They're trying to figure their stuff out. So why do you think that was? Well, I had a couple ideas. Some of my buddies are in YDP and they said secondary sellers got hit really hard. And we were having this chat before because you're a secondary seller and you mostly, I mean, you're kind of going in the secondary world. And you had made a comment that Well, elementary school teachers, like you would have thought it would have been opposite because elementary school teachers have canned curriculum. We are forced to teach X, Y, Z. A lot of schools are outlawing teachers pay teachers. Whereas in secondary, you have a little bit more freedom, like not a lot of canned curriculums. But I was thinking, what if we're just not aware of this because of the states we live in? What if more and more secondary teachers are being told either one, you can't use teachers pay teachers anymore? Well, we've been told in my district, you can't use it. And we're a really big school district. We're like the fourth or fifth biggest in the country. And kind of the general sentiment is no TPT, even in secondary, because second, like, because they, because there's a lot of reasons they say no TPT. I don't want to go into all of them. But that was one of my things is like, maybe, maybe there's more school districts banning TPT. I was also thinking maybe more schools are buying curriculum now post-COVID, where they saw all the scores dipping. And of course, nobody was learning for like a year and a half in a lot of places, right? So maybe they're freaking out and buying curriculum, telling the teachers, listen, You don't need teachers pay teachers. We bought you some curriculum. So the secondary teachers were like, great. And then we we were also saying this. I was also thinking the third idea was the economy is just horrible right now. Inflation, prices are up. People are, you know, fighting for their wages. And maybe there's just not enough money to go around on teachers pay teachers. I mean, I'm definitely thinking twice before I buy things now. I used to just... Sometimes I would blow 30 or $40 a day for like the whole week of back to school. Right. Sometimes I would spend a couple hundo going back to school, buying everything. And I wouldn't even care. Um, but now my discretionary income is way lower. Like everything is higher. It feels like everything is, everything's more expensive. Food, gas, my car insurance, electricity, just everything. It's killing me. <laughs> and now student loans are coming back. Student loan payments are coming back in October for people. I mean, maybe people are kind of putting the brakes on what they want to spend their money on. But anyway, what do you do you agree with any of that?
2: I do. I actually, I am in a district uh, where the middle schools have adopted a new English curriculum that they are being required to teach. Some teachers are happy about that. Some people, teachers are very, very upset about that, right? Because I think a lot of districts, they say, oh, you can't do teachers pay teachers, because it's not research. You know, this isn't, you know, this isn't curriculum that's been studied and hasn't been, um, you know, validated or whatever. But I think, that's ridiculous because yes, it has by the teacher who made it in their own classroom. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous that they think that like, I mean, I know there's crap stuff on Teachers Pay Teachers, but a lot of it is incredibly creative and engaging. I mean, that is why Teachers Pay Teachers is so amazing because what I find Happens when a district adopts a curriculum, a canned curriculum, is that a lot of people get really excited because they think it's going to make their jobs easier. And it's like a script. And yeah, like, oh, yeah, this is going to make things so much easier. And then you use it for a few months, your engagement declines, right? Your kids start acting out, behavior problems start happening. And it's like, oh crap, let me put this curriculum in the closet and go find something on Teachers Pay Teachers that's more fun. You know, and it's just like,
0: why do we keep doing this? Why? Yes, I that's this is like I've actually never heard anyone make that connection between student behavior and engagement. Like we're, we're buying these horrible, boring uh, curriculums and we're expecting kids just fall in love with them because the research says xyz and the publishers paid off the district administrators to you know like i mean they oh this is gonna definitely make everybody read well yeah when you're in a vacuum yeah when you're like i don't know how they test these programs but like when you're you're in a single vacuum of not being in a public classroom a public uh teacher's yeah, maybe you can learn to read. You're just like sitting in a little office space, taking tests or something and everything's quiet and nobody has any disorders or problems in the world. Sure. Maybe it really helps people learn how to read, but like, in the real world, like how often are these things tested in the real world? Like in public school classroom, it is not like that. It's not a perfect little bubble where there's no problems and everyone's being nice and quiet and everyone's listening to the teacher. It never happens ever. But like we're saying, oh, well, we got to use this curriculum because it's research based. But like, where has it been tested? And like, Who's doing the research? Because a lot of times when I see research, a lot of times it's like the kids are in a little bubble. Like you got three kids in a little office space and they're not being bothered by like 33 other people (laughs) and nobody has any sort of, you know, disorders or diseases or things that, you know, make learning difficult I mean, it's just, it's the, it's the wildest thing. And I'll always be against CAN curriculum, but I bet you're right. Like that a lot of people, like a lot of districts see it as that, as not, not research based. And, but it really is like, if, if it worked in your public, public school classroom, it's research based. It's, it's good. It's golden.
2: I know. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, teachers pay teachers, sellers need more, um, <sighs> they need to be trusted more and like respected, you know, and, and also teachers in general, you know, like, yeah. And, and it is sad that I think a lot of teacher sellers who have poured their heart into their products and know they work and know that they're awesome. Um, and they're not being, um, they're not being compensated for that. And instead these huge, like super rich companies are, you know, it's kind of sickening. Um. Yeah. So hang in there, teachers, paid teachers, sellers, like what are some kind of, I think, you know, emailing your list, I think is, is important, but not just saying, Hey, there's a sell sale, like actually Maybe putting your bundles in that email and saying, like, look, you save like I've seen emails where it's like the regular price price is crossed out and the sale price is on there, and then you can kind of see like really high quality previews. Maybe you make a video of like the 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 product and you email that like during the sale. And even you could throw your own sales, you know, on teachers pay teachers. Um, Facebook ads we talked about, like promoting certain products during certain times, times of the year. I'm just trying to help teachers make up the income that they lost, you know, during this sale time. Um, yeah. What else do you have? Do you have other ideas?
0: Um, well, I was reading this social media book last night and it was talking about how, you know, still the rule of thumb for, um, selling to a social media audience, no matter how big your audience is, the rule of thumb is like 80% of the time, people really just want to see you, your life, your recommendations, you being silly or goofy, your personality. Um, and 20% of the time you can drop in some sales. So I think keeping in mind like that whole twenty eighty rule is still sort of out there where, I do follow a lot of sellers and I feel like they only come on during the teachers pay teachers sale and nobody gives a crap about them (laughs) because they're like, who is this? I don't care about this person. Like if you don't have, if you're not constantly giving people information that they find enjoyable and they like, and you're not constantly creating content, don't expect to come on and say, there's a 2 sale. I know I haven't talked to you in six months, but you should go to my store and buy all my stuff. People are not, one, they're not going to see you because the algorithm hates you now. And two... They're, they're, they're going to be like, who's this fool? I don't even know who this is. Why would I buy anything from them? So like, be aware that like, I know some people freak out about being on social media. And it's something I have to remind myself of because I used to be active like every day and I had no problem selling things. And then I just got kind of disinterested I was just, there's a lot of reasons. Like I stopped doing things every day on there, but it is important to like, just show your lunch, show your meal or show your outfit, show something you buy at the store, show what you're reading today, show what you think about the world, show what it looks like outside your window. I mean, show people mundane little details of your life, connect with them, put out polls, put out, you know, things. And then the, for the next sale, it won't be so dry, maybe, if you're, like, connecting with them as a human being 80% of the time. And then, like, maybe, maybe, like, you pick five days a week. Four of the days, you're showing goofy, weird, fun stuff. And one of those days, you're like, hey, check this out. I made this. They're going to be a lot more willing to buy from you and go to your store and do your sales if you're showing them, like, you know, if, if 80% of the time they see you just being a real human being that they can connect to and that they like, and that they think is funny and zany and weird, they're going to buy from you. They're going to go to your sale. And that's something I had to kind of remind myself of is, I mean, I do show a lot on social media, but I have died down quite a bit. I have, I have just been like, nobody wants to hear about what I'm eating today. That's garbage. That's, that's dumb. I don't want I don't want to talk about but I mean there are a lot of like remember the last episode we did about report we did this little I got it from the townie teacher she does a little report at the end of the week people do care about these little things going on in your life like now I'm thinking you were talking about strawberries I'm thinking how does somebody make strawberry syrup homemade (laughs) like I had no idea that was even a thing but like that's that's why we're in social media is to connect with each other and have these friendly conversations and learn about each other's lives and recommendations and things we never thought of. And I told you about those ice cream kind bars and you were like, oh yeah, I've been looking for a more healthy ice cream treat. I mean, these are the things we should be sharing on social every single day. And then that one day a week or, you know, whenever the sale is, you're (laughs) like, guess what? I also make stuff and I got stuff on sale and maybe that would help. Like I was thinking from a social media point of view, and I've heard this is a good strategy for TikTok, Instagram, and um, shorts on YouTube. And shorts is the number one way that people are growing their businesses right now is basically putting TikToks and Instagram reels on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And they're popping up before videos. Now you see shorts And so, you know, just putting up some silly zany shorts, it's all about kind of building this friendship with your audience. Yeah, well, I have
2: one other thing to add too. I've read or maybe I heard this from you that like social media, like if you're on a social media platform and you're asking someone to go somewhere else, that's usually not a good idea. Like you want to keep everything there. Um, because people are on that platform for a reason. And so like, if you're going to do like an Instagram post, look at it, like it's a blog post, like, like actually publish an entire blog post on that one social media post, you know, and like the value should be in the post, not somewhere where they have to go get something, you know? And like, I think that's what you are talking about. Like it doesn't even have to be like what your lunch is. You could just be providing some sort of value, some sort of interesting, like these are three ways that I make sure to eat healthier, you know, at school or, um, you know, just, I don't know, like, yeah, like random things that don't have to do with your products, but they could have to do with your products. You know, like, hey, here, like, here's this mini lesson. Let me tell you about it. You could even teach it tomorrow if you want it, you know, like, and that's one of my products and just, Yeah, like not being scared to kind of give things away for free. Um, And I think that's the same rule with email. You know, you really want to provide value for free in your emails so that people are like looking forward to clicking. You know, like you want people to look forward to seeing you on social media or in their inbox. Um,
0: So yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think that, you know, just like this, this, this episode is for people that I noticed on social media, like in the Wally's Facebook group and other Facebook groups that were really upset about the sale, like, oh, man, I'm not gonna make any money this year, the economy's down. What am I going to do? I'm used to making X, Y, Z amount of money on Teachers by Teachers. And maybe I'm not going to this year. I need to completely revamp my business. I mean, maybe it's just there's some easier things you could think of, like investing in Facebook ads, making a mega bundle and selling it through webinars or uh, really looking at your social media presence. Like what's your favorite app to be present on? I don't expect any one person to be present on all the apps. I really only do Instagram, but like, you know, I wouldn't expect someone to be doing all of the social media apps, but the one that is your favorite that you've built a following on, no matter how big or small that is, like what could you do every day to just be a little bit more like adding value to the conversation is not always like you could be talking about blog posts and your knowledge, but you could also just be doing little things. Like think about those Those things we did the last episode, if you listen to it, the report, like, could you add just a couple little things throughout the week to just make people kind of say, okay, I want to support this person. I trust what they've done. So they must do cool things in the classroom because they're talking about their snacks every day with me. (laughs) And what I actually got this really great tip my first year teaching. Someone told me, you know, if you want to be the most popular person in any school, Get really involved with the food at that school. Show up to staff lunches. Don't eat in your classroom. Eat with the staff members at lunch. Bring snacks for people. Bring people's favorite candy and sodas. Like if you want to be the most popular person at your school and have everyone like make instant friends, bring in the food and be around food. And so like if you think about that mentality, that could also be something for for social media or just like building connections with your audience in those emails i one of my favorite people's emails i get is my buddy ashley bible uh she always has just like the most conversational fun emails and you know she'll just mention anything in there and i just i love it it feels like i'm opening one of my best friends emails like oh ashley's writing me again i mean That's just just some ideas for you, you know. Like you start to read other teacher printers' emails and see what what are they saying to like make people drawn to their stores. I think it's just excellent. So, and I I love your tips. It was great.
2: I love Ashley's emails too because they're really short and sweet. And yeah, that is why I'm on a lot of lists because I just I really am inspired, you know, by like what other people are doing and kind of how they're approaching marketing email marketing um and yeah like what could I try oh Ashley just she just sent this email that was only like three sentences long could I do that yeah (laughs) you know what I mean like yeah hers are super short and sweet but anyways uh we should probably wrap up this has been a very long episode um we wish you well on the next sale um and we hope this has been helpful bye
1: Thanks for listening to this extremely serious episode brought to you by some truly wacky teacherpreneurs. Visit our website, wackyteacherpreneurs.com, to get more support growing your business. Please leave us a five star review. And remember, if you share this podcast with 10 other people, you'll have good luck forever.